All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Paul. Today, not joined by my notorious compadre, all your guys' favorite host, Pizza Mind. Uh, he's at Consensus, and he left me here sick. Uh, and so here I am. Uh, the show must go on, but no worries. Uh, apologies for the nasally congestion. We're going to power through this. I'm joined by Josh Swihart from the uh, Zcash Foundation, the electric coin company associated with Zcash, SVP of growth. Uh, Josh, welcome to the Crypto 101 podcast. Hey, thanks, Bryce. <laughs> you know, we're excited. Um, you know, it's funny. When, when I, I think Zcash, you know, I, I think electric coin company, what the heck does that mean? Where'd that name come from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> Let's um, just kick it off. <laughs> you know what? The, like the origins, like the actual origin of the name is probably came from Zuko's brain somewhere. It was originally, and it still is, it's the Zero Coin Electric Coin Company. It's the formal name. So that was the entity that was like originally funded and created to create Zcash. Um, and then for the longest time, we were known as the Zcash Company. But that's just what we were known. That's kind of how we did business. But um, people then were confusing the company with... With the, the token. With a token. Yeah, with a project. And there's the Zcash Foundation, which is a separate 501c3. So Electric Coin Company, yeah, was, was, was set up for that. But I, the electric... The, <laughs> the kind of nice like piece of... There's all kinds of like weird kind of meanings and things in our logo and... Uh, ECC is what we is is short for electric coin company. ECC is also electric cryptography. So like oh. there's all kinds of uh, kind of interesting clients, but I love that. Yeah. How long have you been been with uh, with Zcash? A little over four years. Four with years. ECC, yeah. 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 And Zcash has always kind of had my attention as uh, you know this preeminent privacy coin. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about privacy and what that means for users kind of, you know, reclaiming some of their, their sovereign uh, identity and being able to uh, have, you know, basically, you know, financial independence um, yep. and w without being, you know, spied on, you know, and I think that's yep. a really, really cool idea when you, you know, kind of play it out, you bring this technology to the masses and everybody has this financial independence, but right now, you know, we, we've got a surveillance state. Uh, essentially. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But before we dive into the the, the hard stuff, uh, let's just get acquainted, uh, you know, between you and the audience. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, Josh, uh, and how'd you find yourself in this crazy world that we call cryptocurrency? Oh, gosh, I'm going to try to take a long story and condense it because it's a long story. Like I, <laughs> I've been a de I was a dev for like a long time. I learned how to code as a kid. And then uh, pre-internet, I ran a bulletin board system and so that allowed people to kind of dial in and we had chat forums and people would download software and we wow. hacked and cracked stuff. And so um, that, that was kind of the, the, the origins of kind of jumping into tech in this, in the tech industry. So um, actually I did, you talk about the surveillance state, like I worked on the other side of that. So um, oh. I, I led a program, for example, uh, in the Middle East for a country building a surveillance system that would allow uh, that country to track facilities and assets of their neighbors. Um, when we talk about facilities and assets are like an air base and airplanes, right? Um, and all of that surveillance 
uh, work that we did, which was largely based upon video and imagery coming from satellites and drones, um, we were kind of able to analyze things over time and get a sense of what uh, that neighbor was doing. And we took that, my uh, business partner, and I actually took that same tech and we started doing ad tech work. So we were able to scrape the internet, wow. get people, get images from people, where they took the images, get a good understanding of, of who they were based upon all their social media data. So we started pulling, we started very simply. And then by the end, we're pulling data from over two dozen different sources on the internet in order to create very deep profiles on people. It got very creepy and it got very scary. And some people started reaching out to us for use cases that weren't good. This was all pre-Cambridge Analytica. So we shut that down right. and I became hyper aware of uh, the amount of surveillance that Canon is being, is being done on uh, ordinary people you know, around the world uh, in order to, in that case, it's just like surface ads. But in essence, what you're still doing by surface ads is you're trying to manipulate behavior. So fast forward, like I... I didn't really jump into crypto. I was aware of Bitcoin, but really didn't jump into crypto until like early 2016. And there's a, there's a story there, but I was really kind of interested in Ethereum and capital formation of the DAO and all of that kind of thing. And then uh, I do work in the slums in India, or I have some friends that do work in the slums in India. And the main person that I've been working with was unbanked at the time. And he, there was a fire in one of the slums. People were out of house and home. They had no food. They had no blankets. They had no place to stay. Uh, and so I was trying to get some money over there at this time where I, that's in 2016. Uh, and I, so I, I went through Western Union or I tried to go through Western Union. Western Union blocked me. They wouldn't tell me why. It took me half a week. It took me about, you know, three and a half, four days to finally get money over through an alternative mechanism. But I was like, this is crazy, right? I should be able to get money over there in minutes using crypto, but I need to be able to do it safely where it doesn't put my counterparty at risk, where somebody isn't able to kind of see the transaction and see his balance and put him at risk on the other side. And so had started exploring um, privacy in crypto, Monero, Dash, some other tokens, and actually found out about the Zcash project before I had launched through that, uh, through that means or through exploring. And, um, and then started knocking on the door to to uh, to see if that team would let me uh, let me come and play. So um, I had to at that point I was like I need to make this my career. I had been working as a I've been a CEO of a startup, a couple startups, uh, a couple different exits. I was a senior vice president of of marketing for a, another um, high growth startup, sold the private equity um, just prior to coming coming here. But it's like I need to leave all that stuff behind and and get into crypto full time. And it really does seem like the ethos that you just described, uh, which really pulled you to the Zcash, you know, coin and the electric coin company, it really embodies the entire ethos of, of Zcash, right? I mean, I just saw the other day that Edward Snowden kind of came out and said he was part of the, uh, the original key signing Genesis ceremony for Zcash. Basically he's one of the, you know, six founders for Zcash. And this was, very secretive, you know, and Edward Snowden is uh, a, a huge proponent of uh, kind of dismantling or at least unveiling the surveillance state, you know, kind of like you, what you saw behind the scenes. And you're like, oh, my God, I just saw such a, you know, a grotesque power that I need to fight this and kind of 
you know, Edward yeah. Snowden kind of, you know, you guys share similar trades. You, you were on the, you know, on the side of, you know, the surveillance, you see, oh my God, what kind of power we have and what we're using against the people. And we're paid by the people, by the way, as taxpayer. And then boom, you, you kind of come and you start this new thing. So it, it, it really is, um, you know, a, a powerful ethos that you guys are, are kind of, um, you know, building over there. That we're aligned around. Yeah. I think, I mean, it's like, it goes to the heart of crypto. I think it goes to the heart of it to begin with, with Satoshi um, coming out of the whole kind of uh, early cypherpunk days and um, this kind of expectation. Like when I, when I, so the internet kind of came about when I was in college. Right. And so I started playing, I was playing with like Telnet and it was like, I could have conversations with Usenet and the, you know, it was like, crazy tools that nobody else could use and nobody kind of understood what the internet was was going to be. And then they have a browser come out. Um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, like mosaic came out. I'm using this browser. I'm like, we can render things that that are happening on the internet. Like this is going to be amazing for freedom. And we're going to be able to communicate without intermediaries and without people (laughs) telling us what we can do or say. um, So excited. And then web two happened. And all of those, you know, hopes and dreams are dashed. All the gatekeepers came in. (laughs) All the gatekeepers came in and all the money, you know, all the money and the, and we started trading our data for, um, for tools online. So there's like some amazing innovation that happened during that time, but man, we got sucked into something that, that I don't think any of us really wanted or expected at the, at the dawning of, of the web. Yeah, no, I like that that terminology that you just said. We we were trading our data, kind of uh, f- to be a product, right? And it was like right. you know if it's if it's if it's free, oh well, then you're the product, right? And that's uh, that's what I think a lot of people don't really even realize uh, about you know web you know web two and even just the general money system that we use right now. It's like people don't realize that there's this hidden tax every day right. called inflation, except now people are really aware of it. Right. But for, for, for decades, you know, pe- people, my age, right. Nobody, you ask them, Oh, is gold backed by the, you know, or is the dollar backed by gold? And people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. What's inflation. Oh, I, I don't know. It's just this thing that exists, but now people, you know, we're, we're here recording this, in, you know, the beginning to mid of June uh, and inflation's, you know, above 8% and people are really, really, really starting to uh, discuss it. In fact, I had a conversation with my sister yesterday and she says, how's inflation affecting you, Bryce? And it was just so funny because she's like, well, my, my cost of getting to work has tripled, right? To and from. And luckily for yeah. me, you know, I don't drive back and forth to work. But her and her husband, you know, they're they're driving back and forth to work, and like inflation really does, uh, you know, cut to the core of everything that we're we're experiencing right now. But uh, not not to get too sidetracked, um, I think that you know that the point I'm trying to make there is that you know, again, if it's free to use, then you're the product. In the same way that if the dollar is you know kind of free to use, right? There, there's an inflationary tax that's on it, and uh, you're kind of being productized in a sense, but. Um, I, I think one of the cool things about Zcash, um, not that it's just this currency that's you know outside of governmental control, but it's this kind of currency that nobody could snoop on, right? Like with Bitcoin, if I send you my Bitcoin address, you could see my entire history of transactions. If I send you my Ethereum address, you can see my entire history of transactions, which to me, like, you know, it, it's, you know, it's not really how it should be, but with Zcash, I could send you my address and you could, you know, send coins there, but you won't be able to see the entire history. So how does that kind of work? 
Yeah. So there's a couple things. One is Zcash, there's two types of addresses. There's a shielded address, which does exactly what you described. And that's just transparent address that works just like Bitcoin, basically. Because Zcash is a fork of Bitcoin. So what had happened is... And people like, tend to forget that too. Yeah. So Satoshi, you know, in the, in the BitcoinTalk.org like forums talked about like the need for privacy. And I kind of had assumed like if we have this address of pseudo-anonymous is probably good enough. And that was like just the reality of what was necessary for Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin being decentralized, you don't have some party in the middle that's able to verify the transaction. So everybody needs to be able to verify the transaction. So it needs to be transparent. And he talked about like on the forum and how Finney talked about this as well. It's like, we like really need to figure out how to apply zero knowledge to Bitcoin. And if we could do that, it would actually be a better Bitcoin. But zero knowledge, just by way of background, was cryptography that was kind of theoretical cryptography invented or discovered in, in, in MIT in the 1980s, but was not practical. It had never been actually used in code anywhere. So it's just kind of all theoretical math. But so some scientists started like working on that, right? And they said, we think we can figure this out such that um, we can apply this zero knowledge cryptography and put it on Bitcoin so that when transactions are sent across the different nodes to verify, all the node has to see is the proof, a mathematical proof that that is a valid transaction. And if they get that mathematical proof, then they can verify, they can, they can all independently verify it without seeing any details about who the sender was, who the receiver was, how much was there. And in the case of Zcash, there's also a um, memo field that's encrypted. So they're able to verify that transaction public to the chain um, and have confidence. So it's like a, a, a step above. So what they did is the seven scientists work with Zuko, Wilcox, the founder of Zcash, forked Bitcoin, um, added this zero knowledge cryptography on top of Bitcoin to enable that. So you have these two types of options, the Bitcoin style transactions and these shielded transactions using zero knowledge proofs. I love it. It's fantastic. And uh, it's just another layer uh, on top of Bitcoin. But one of the other questions I have is, is it still open source, right? Because, you know, if, if everybody could read the code, can people kind of reverse engineer that privacy? Or is there kind of a closed source component to privacy coins in general? Oh, that's a great question. You know, it, it's completely 100% open source. Like anybody can go to the repo and look at the code and evaluate it and see how it works and fork it and make their own version of it or whatever they want. To that's do, right? awesome. So the code itself implements the privacy. So it's the, it kind of sets up the way that it works, but it's not, it doesn't compromise your privacy when you're using the, when you're using the token, the, the token itself or the, the, what's on the, on the protocol when you're passing Zek around uh, shielded, it, that's a hundred percent private. No data is even actually showing up on the blockchain. What's showing wow. up is a mathematical proof that that, that, that transaction is valid. But it's not. Uh, it's I not wish people could see how big your smile that. was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got a great smile. You know, you're just smiling. You just love what you do. It's so clear. It's the, amazing. The, the yeah. cryptography is magic to you. I mean, you're it just like. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I think about with Zcash, it's like you know, there's other like privacy based kind of like smart contract platforms, you know, there's maybe we'll call it, you know, there's Enigma or secret network mm -hmm. and there's horizon, which are basically these, you know, 
kind of like private Ethereums, if you will. And there's applications that are built on top of those that have, you know, zero knowledge applications. Now, my question for you is, is Zcash kind of going to be a platform for applications to be built on all these different private applications? Or is Zcash kind of this currency that other applications will use, you know, Zcash with, but not being built on? Yeah, fantastic question. I, I ultimately that's up to the Zcash community on what it wants to build and and how it sees it working. I can answer for like from the perspective of ECC, which is just yeah. one of the participants in the community, is that we really want to see it used for payments, and we want to see Zec the token used across Web three. So it doesn't matter what chain you're on, it doesn't matter what you're interacting with, that you have access to Zec the token, and you have this kind of expectation of of what it is and how it's supposed to work. There's a lot, there's a, a kind of a long road to get there. There's a lot of work that's being done uh, with DeFi and interoperability and things like that. There are people within the Zcash community that have like, want to see full up programmability. And, and there may be levels of programmability. There's a proposal out there um, from, or there's somebody that's actually working on it called Kedit, which would allow for what's called Zcash shielded assets. So in that model, you could take your Bitcoin and shield your Bitcoin in the Zcash pool or your Ethereum. That's kind of a use case, right? So uh, ultimately, it depends on the community. There's constant kind of conversation and polling. Right now, ECC is really focused on interoperability and, you know, across chains and a move to proof of stake. Oh, wow. And so we're hoping the community will, will get behind us on those things. We've had some great conversations around them, um, but that's really where our R&D is focused at, at the time at, or now. So as the sun comes back out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you actually want to interview and it helps you find them faster and for free. And since we started Crypto 101 years ago, we've grown our team substantially and we've turned to LinkedIn to find our next employees. Uh, this includes how we found three new members of our team that we brought on just over the past few months. So you can go to LinkedIn Jobs and create a free post in minutes to reach your network and beyond the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Holy smokes. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile in order to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can actually help you find the right people to hire. And then you got simple tools right there, like screening questions, which make it very easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And it's simply the reason why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to, and it helps you find them faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers are visiting LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash crypto. That's linkedin.com slash crypto to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So actually, could you uh, kind of brush us up to speed on proof of stake? Uh, I think, you know, this is Crypto 101. So this might even be the first time somebody's listening to a crypto podcast and they hear proof of stake. Hold on. I've heard that term a little bit. I know Ethereum is trying to move to it, but... 
Can you kind of give us uh, the 101 on proof of stake and particularly in context of Zcash? Like why? What's the impetus to go from proof of work to proof of stake? Yeah, great question. Um, right now, Zcash uses something called proof of work, which is the same as Bitcoin, which just means you're trading power, you're trading energy in exchange for security on the network. So you buy some hardware, you plug it in, it, it solves math problems. In, and by solving these math problems, it secures the network and issues new Zcash, just like Bitcoin works. There's various criticisms of, of that model, some of which are, you know, there's, there's various kind of perspectives on it. One is energy and whether or not that, that's just wasted energy and, and whether we ought to look at a different model. But there's other questions as well. So, for example, there's something called finality. So, finality means like if I give you, if I buy you, or if, I, if, you're, if, if you're selling me coffee and I go to the coffee shop and I buy that $2 worth of coffee, you've got that $2 and I've got the coffee, but is that transaction final or can it be rolled back? With something like proof of work, it's a, it's a probabilistic finality, meaning the longer the time where it's true that you continue to hold that $2, the um, more sure that you can be that you actually have it. Right. It's a probabilistic. And so there's challenges with like um, when you're dealing with other chains, um, there's challenges with that kind of model where, um, you know, it, it feels better to have more kind of absolute finality. So there's there's reasons such as that. There's also it's just access. Right. So uh, right now, all the miners, if you're going to mine Zcash, you're going to buy very expensive equipment. You can't really do it with your PC and make money. You can try, but you're not going to make money. So it's very hard to earn Zcash doing that unless you're already rich, unless you're already wealthy and have enough to buy $10,000 mine, you know, machines to mine it. I guess in the early days, though, you could mine it off your laptop, right? When there was no you competition could. on the network. Yeah, that's right. And then what happened is like specialized hardware providers started releasing this specialized hardware that was more powerful than what you would have with a PC for mining. And so people just weren't able to do it and make money. So with something like uh, proof of stake, you can secure the network. What you're doing is you're trading your assets um, for securing the network. You're putting them up as collateral, essentially, what's called staking. I'm putting up as collateral. And then in exchange for putting up as collateral, I get to validate that transactions are true. And for validating transactions that are true, I get paid. So I put up some Zek, um, I stake it, and transactions come through, and I get paid by the network for, for putting that up and locking up that, that collateral for time. So I'm not using energy. I'm using my assets. And I have an ability to earn. Um, and so it's more inclusive in terms of allowing people to kind of earn additional Zek or Zcash you know, based upon holdings that they have. So there's probably a whole, there's a whole litany of reasons. We've got a blog out there on the ECC site that talks about all the various reasons, but there's a couple. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's super helpful for, for everybody to have a good understanding. And I think, um, is that called the halo upgrade or the sapling upgrade? I've kind of been following along. Oh, well, uh, proof of stake hasn't happened yet. So that's, again, we're, we're doing, doing some, some research and development and that will take some time. Mm -hmm. um, assuming the community, the community gets behind it. The latest network upgrade that we have, 
So there's various, like, like you upgrade software, we upgrade the network and we add, you know, new features and capabilities. The latest um, network upgrade included something called Halo. Mm. It, and the Halo is cryptography that was discovered recently. That's a massive up by ECC. That's a massive upgrade over the previous zero knowledge cryptography. Uh, that was there. And I'm happy to get into the details that maybe more than, <laughs> than your audience was to hear. Maybe that's but crypto 301. <laughs> it's like crypto 301. It's a massive cryptographic upgrade. Well, that's beautiful. <laughs> that um that uh yeah uh that, that's been implemented. And so it's kind of ushering in a new era of zero knowledge for the whole industry, for the whole world, not just Zcash. Mm. It was it's a it's a big, big deal. Wow. No, I'm I'm interested. Um, you know, I think you know I, I'm seeing a lot of these different zero knowledge uh, platforms come online now, right? On these layer twos, right? I'm seeing like mm-hmm. zk layer twos, uh, basically yeah. these zero knowledge proof rollups that are just side chains on Ethereum uh, that are helping it scale. Um, I'm seeing all sorts of just layer one kind of like privacy coins. One's called Mina, uh, which I think is really cool. It's basically the entire blockchain is just a succinct proof. It stays at 22 kilobytes forever and it just kind of rotates and, you know, they're, they're kind of doing some interesting stuff, but, um, but how do you kind of think about the competitive landscape for zero knowledge technology and crypto is, is it kind of a winner take all, or are all these platforms going to be talking to each other? Uh, it's interesting. Like, I, I don't know, like people like to talk about competition and like putting categories of coins and, and different things like that. I, I think we're still kind of figuring that stuff out. Yeah. So as it relates to privacy and zero knowledge, I think there's gradients, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the level of privacy that you're going to get with zero knowledge on a layer two is different than the level of privacy you're going to get with zero knowledge on layer one. It, there's just leakiness of data. So privacy uh-huh. is like not a binary thing. Right. If I if I hand you that's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> if I hand you, I mean, think about it. Right. Even with cash, so Zcash is the best approximation of cash on uh, on the internet, the, hands down, best approximation. But even with cash, if we go back to the coffee store thing, and I hand you a ten dollar bill, is that transaction private? Um, there's a video camera, maybe watching. There's a video camera. Well. The, my, the greatest leak of privacy is actually you. If I hand you a $10 bill, you're my counterparty. You see it came from me. I handed the bill from me to you. Now, does like a uh, surveillance state know that that's happening? Maybe not. Maybe there's a video camera. Maybe there's a line of people behind me that all see that this happened. And they can see me walk out to my car and get in my car. There's all kinds of privacy leakages, even with that. Mm. And it's the same with cryptocurrencies. All, it's a whole spectrum of privacy guarantees depending on but the the mental the problem is the problem that we have is that the mental load right of understanding is what is the level of privacy that i'm getting is like too high you don't have to have that internal conversation anytime you have a transaction mm-hmm. you just want to have the expectation if i go to if i go to amazon.com right now and i buy something and i put in my credit card information i just have the expectation that nobody can see my credit card data and they can't see what I bought. Now, Amazon can see that information. I've made that trade, right? So it's not completely right. private, but it's private enough for what I you know, need to do. Mm-hmm. And again, like Zcash is the, the closest approximation to, to cash on, on the web. And it's more so than 
any of the kind of rollups or or some of these kind of other projects, if it's if the zero knowledge is not on layer one, it's it's just a different thing. It's a different privacy guarantee. Um, so am I worried about competition? I think it's awesome. I think competition's awesome. Um, if Zcash doesn't win, then it should be something better than Zcash, um, which <laughs> I don't see right now. Uh, but but we should just have that expectation when we're dealing with digital cash that we have those kind of that the same kind of level of privacy guarantees as we would with with physical cash. And and I don't know that there's any other projects out there that that provide that same that same level of security. Yeah. No, I I don't either. And uh I'm I'm curious just, you know, rounding things out, how how the government thinks about this sort of technology. And not just saying like the U.S. government or the Chinese government or any particular government, but just governmental bodies in general, right? When they, you know, they're they're kind of there to, to keep people in check and under control. Um, and when they see a technology that's like this, much in the same way that the internet sprouted up, and they're like, ah, oh, like, oh, what do we do? Like, how do we how do we regulate this to make sure that we don't yeah. uh, have the proliferation of bad things, right? And and hey, I'm all for regulation so that bad people get caught and, and bad things don't proliferate. And, you know, I, I'm, you know, but again, bad is subjective. So maybe I'm, you know, I'm not truly like a libertarian or whatever, but I, I think the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, governmental regulation and stuff, it, it's good in ingredients, right? It's, it's non-binary. It's not like it's all good. It's all bad. And so one of my things is like, you know, how, how does, you know, how to, maybe how do you personally think about, you know, governmental regulation, uh, you know, coexisting, with Zcash. Yeah, 100% can coexist. We have conversations with regulators, policymakers all the time. So I'll give you, a, but I, but I want to come back because I think your analog is like really super powerful. You talk about the internet and people being kind of freaked out about the internet and policymakers and regulators being concerned about it being used. So we heard the same things, right? The internet, if we have the internet and we have encryption, especially on the internet, then what is that going to mean? We're going to be supporting money launderers and and just bad um, people people. <laughs> people buying drugs and doing all kinds of bad things that was the narrative um, yeah. and the nsa fought against and uh al gore fought against incursion on the internet and the crypto forward, wars of uh, 1999 too absolutely right 100 the crypto war so so and what happens now if you go to those same regulators and policymakers, if you go to the white house's site or even nsa's site their guidance is that it should all be encrypted. It should all use HTTPS. So that narrative flipped because there was a recognition that in order for people to engage online safely, we needed to have encryption, we needed to have privacy in order to ensure that security. And it was the best interest and security of the person and in the best interest of actually the nation. And so when you have conversations with policymakers and regulators, it's actually, you ought to mandate that everything is encrypted. Not not like leave everything open because what happens if you like you, you you said before like if I have my Bitcoin address and I send you Bitcoin you can see my my balance you can see my total transaction history well if I can see that and you as a regulator can see that you think okay that's great but so, so can, can Russia <laughs> so can Russia so can China so can ha hackers in North Korea everybody yeah. can see that information so what is the way to address that if you have uh, Zcash encrypted on a blockchain, you can regulate the VASPs or the exchanges and have access to the, you know, and, and regulate them the same way that you'd regulate a bank. And if there's the crime that's committed that you need to investigate, that you get a warrant and you get the information from that exchange or whatever, 
Um, so now you have visibility as a regulator under the law and North Korea or China or Russia doesn't have that mm. visibility. Right. And that's, that's one thing that like, it's a great point, which is actually the refutation to the proliferation of a CBDC, right? Like a central bank digital currency. If you have one of these things, like, well, not only can our government see, and if it's that much easier for them, well, then the enemy governments are for sure going to be able to see. So it's like, if we, we need like this politically neutral money that is security first, privacy first and people first, so that our government can't snoop and opposing governments can't snoop because I'm pretty sure that if our government can snoop on our money, well, then the other governments can as well. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. Interesting. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that, uh, that Zcash can uh, really you know, become a, a cornerstone here of society within the next few years, uh, whether it starts here or in a different country, or maybe it doesn't need uh, to start in any one location. It's just going to be this underswell, this undercurrent that, you know, five years later, we, we all realize we're using it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I think people are waking up to some of these things, right? I think, you know, the, the kind of the Big recent time. history example is like the Canadian truckers oh, and yeah. with the Canadian truckers, right. They, um, whether or not you agree with them or not, that they should be blockading and doing what they're doing in Canada. I would have never expected so quickly the Canadian government to say, okay, now we're, we're going to shut down GoFundMe. We're going to shut down your bank accounts and we're going to shut down your Bitcoin addresses. Yeah. That was to bad. Stop people from funding horrible. Right. So I think people are, are, are wait, are starting to wake up and recognize this is like not some big grand conspiracy theory. Um, this is, <laughs> this is something that's just, you know, is necessary and it's supporting of human freedoms It's supporting of human consent. Mm. Uh, the consent, to be able to share what I want to share with who I want to share it to it's respecting the person mm. uh, versus, um, you know, completely shutting them down based upon some ideology. Yeah. I think that word consent is a, is a very powerful word here in this context. And it's something that I think a lot of people don't really think about when it comes to, to your money, right? You, you don't consent to the money that you use. You're just born into it. Um, and so now it's like, we, we have, uh, you know, a new money system that, you know, I'm obviously really excited about you are and a lot of, you know, really, really smart people are, are starting to jump ship from the traditional finance world. And even from the traditional, you know, web two sort of thing and jump into to crypto and to web three. And, and, you know, right now we're in a little bit of a, of the doldrums, if you will, in terms of market prices and everybody's starting to say, Oh, well, you know, we're, we're, crypto's dead again and crypto's not coming back. And we're starting to see the obituaries on yeah. all these different cryptos. And it's fun, yeah. right? You and I, we've been, you've been here since 2016 as well. We've seen yeah. these things go up and down, up and down. And we don't get shaken out because the builders just keep building. But outside of anything that you're building, Josh, what kind of has your attention in the crypto world? What got you, what she's like, oh, wow, like that's pretty cool what these guys are doing. You don't need to name a particular company or coin if you don't want to, but maybe a technology stack, maybe a trend that you're looking at that, that you know, the listeners of Crypto 101 should be uh, excited about as well. Yeah, there's maybe two that I'll mention. I mean, one very self-serving. It's everything that's happening with zero knowledge encryption <laughs> because I think it's far reaching and I think it's even beyond I think it will go beyond just cryptocurrencies. It'll be, it's, it'll be a fabric of Web3. 
how we think about identity engagement. And again, it goes back to consent, being able to engage in a way that I'm comfortable with and sharing with what I'm comfortable, uh, what I'm comfortable with in such a way that doesn't put me at risk. And, and so there's a lot of projects that are using zero knowledge um, and playing with that now and adding that. And so I think we're just at the dawn of that and it's super fascinating. And then the other is like anything that's related to usability um, and getting people the ability to use crypto on a database basis. So like one project I'm, I'm, uh, very bullish on in terms of the project is Flexa. Flexa. They, <laughs> I yeah, love Flexa those guys. <laughs> they, they, they are like under the radar a little bit, but they are the, the platform that they have or the, you know, the project that they have and in integrating with legacy point of sale systems directly and allowing vendors to accept whatever currency they want to. Like most of those vendors in the US, they're all accepting US dollars, but you can pay Right. And it just it will convert that into whatever. So if you think of this future world where we may have any number of, I don't know, dozens, thousands of tokens that anybody may have, you know, they may have preferences on what they have and may want to use any kind of asset type that's tokenized. Mm -hmm. And they can say, I want to pay with that thing. And the person that's receiving says, I want to receive in this thing, whether that's a US dollar or whether that's a Zcash or Bitcoin or something else, they get to choose. Each party gets to choose what currency they want to deal with. And Flexa makes that easy. Uh, and so uh, I'm excited about what those guys are doing and, and those kinds of projects that just make it easy to onboard uh, more and more people. Yeah, no, shout out to, to Tyler Spaulding. We had him on the podcast a couple times, uh, former NASA engineer who... Yeah. To tur turned merchant, uh, you know, yeah. payments guy, but it's, yeah. it's just phenomenal to see what they've built. And, uh, we've been big supporters of Flexa and, uh, you know, I, I think what they're doing, uh, is phenomenal. I just saw actually two days ago, they announced, uh, a partnership with Chipotle that yeah. now you'll, you're going to be able to spend your crypto at Chipotle via the Flexa app. So that's good stuff. Man, Josh, I, I've really enjoyed the, the past 45 minutes that we've had you here on the Crypto 101 podcast. Before we let you go, um, you know, a couple, you know, or I'll say one, one question that we like to ask everybody uh, that comes on the show is, is just a simple one. But again, Crypto 101, a lot of, a lot of new folks watching the show. What's just one word of wisdom from, from, a, from a guy who's been in the industry for a long time to a, to a new person who's just hopping into crypto with both feet? Uh, what would you tell them? Oh gosh. Like, Oh gosh. <laughs> so like most, most, most people, yeah. Like most people get into crypto right for the money, right? The, the intent is like, I'm going to put some money in and mm. I'm going to hope that it grows and I'll put it a percent of my portfolio, or I'm going to use it to hedge against inflation or whatever it is. But I like, I think it's really important to try to, I mean, one is like to keep it simple and not like, spread out in all these projects that you don't know mm -hmm. and, and I try to use what you buy. So yeah. if like you're interested in a project, download the wallet, get the token, um, explore, like play with it. Like I've met so many people that are, they hold on to their crypto, like a little pet rock, you know, yeah, it's they're years in crypto and it sits on an exchange somewhere and they're not actually even using it. Um, because it's this like asset, you pet rocks, like a totally good analogy. <laughs> so like use it and, and see, does it like, does it work? Does it not work? Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm going to put a bunch of my money into something, um, like, where is it? I understand where it is in the, like, kind of the life cycle of the token. 
Um, I wouldn't make big moves. There's like the always don't invest more than you're willing to to lose kind of thing. But if you're if you're out there and engaging, like what's exciting is you're part of a group of people that are creating something that's going to change everything just yeah. by participating and using it. You, I mean, you're, you're just at the forefront of it. So um, have fun with it. Have a blast. Invest wisely. But but yeah, use the token. Well, beautiful. Thank you so much, Josh. Uh, for, for catching us up on everything going on at the electric coin company at Zcash, just in privacy in general, and for shedding some light on the surveillance state and all the, all the fun stuff that we've discussed today. So without further ado, Josh, last thing, uh, where can people kind of like find you online? Oh, um, so maybe Twitter is fine. I, I'm at, uh, Jay Swihart, uh, Twitter at J S W I H A R T. That may be the easiest way. Likewise. Love it. I'm on Twitter all the time. Uh, so I'll give you a follow as well, but, uh, thank you. So thank you so much. And, uh, we look forward to actually, you know, having you back on the show sometime soon when uh, maybe proof of stake rolls out or any big updates. Uh, really appreciate your time. Hey, Bryce. Thank you.